welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome. I'm so thrilled you're all here. Welcome to My Favorite Coffee Story. We are live from Anikona Farm in beautiful Halualoa, Hawaii, and so, so happy you've joined us. Today, we've got an amazing guest, Asher Yaron, and he is here with us to talk about Well, first of all, his favorite coffee stories, but he has over 10 years experience with coffee. He's done coffee TED Talks. He was just presenting at the Singapore Coffee Festival, introducing his new home roaster. And he has also just recently released a book, Get Your Fix. So we're so thrilled to talk to Asher. And before we do that, please, I always love to give you a little bit of sort of what's going on at the farm. And uh, today was such a beautiful day. I have to share that with you because we shared lovely, freshly roasted coffee out on our deck, looking at beautiful Hualai Mountain that was very clear. Of course, we live on this dormant volcano, gives the delicious, rich Kona flavors to our coffee. And as you look down to Kona Town, you can see the beautiful ocean. So those days are so beautiful. And I just want to share that with you a little bit. So, Asher, tell us so, first of all, how you're doing. You're just coming off of your Singaporean coffee festival. And uh, tell us how the launch went of your new home roaster. Uh, it was actually very successful. I have a lot of people uh, who are interested. Uh, it's, it's interesting that the public is more interested because they know less about coffee. The professionals who have been in the coffee industry a long time have some beliefs that uh, I've been challenging for the last uh, 10 years in um, speaking counter to, uh, which they don't agree with because I think they're locked into looking at coffee in one way, and we'll get into that more later. But the general public can understand the process and, and what we're trying to do. And really, my whole purpose is to get people to roast themselves. I love that you are in Hawaii and you say you just had this fresh roasted coffee and you're fresh roasting and using it right after and not waiting, not waiting, resting, that kind of uh, that kind of thing. It really makes such a difference, as you know, I'm sure. Yes. Well, we certainly love a good freshly roasted coffee. So, um, Asher, tell us, please, about your coffee journey, uh, how you got involved in coffee, a little bit about your favorite coffee stories, please. Okay. So, my coffee journey began a little over 10 years ago. And at the time, I was just starting to drink specialty coffee because before that, I grew up in a household that was used to drinking Nescafe, Sanka, canned coffee. Maxwell House uh, was uh, premium coffee uh, at that time, already ground and in a can. But mostly it was instant coffee. And during the 70s, that was probably the easiest and most popular way that people made their coffee. And at the time, I thought that I couldn't drink coffee because when I drank 
the instant coffee, it made me too hyper. It felt too sensitive to the caffeine. What I know now, I didn't know then, was that instant coffee is Robusta. And Robusta coffee has twice the caffeine of Arabica. So I thought I couldn't drink regular coffee, and I used to only drink decaf coffee. Much later, when I started drinking a different type of coffee, what the coffee industry calls specialty coffee, which is mostly 100% Arabica, I found that it energized me and it made me feel really good and that I could drink it. So I started to look into it just a little bit more, like I said, a little bit over 10 years ago. And at first, I was experimenting with upgrading my espresso equipment. Because what I when I talked to people who were coffee professionals in the coffee business, it seemed like the barista was the way to go. If you perfected your coffee uh, process with higher end equipment, that that's what made a better coffee. So I did this for a number of years, and I got to a certain point, and still the coffee wasn't really what I was looking for. I, it still lacked something. I felt. And at the time, I was buying Starbucks uh, coffee, uh, three-pound coffee bags from Costco. I figured there wasn't a difference. And then I'd try a different kind of coffee, uh, Pete's Coffee, maybe another one that was popular at the time, also bagged the same way. 100% Arabica, but they all tasted about the same. They didn't make a difference. So it wasn't until about 10 years ago, this is now, that friends of mine presented me with a bag of freshly roasted coffee that they said they roasted at home in a hot air popcorn popper. Now, Asher, excuse me, was that actually in Bali already? Is that how you became introduced? No, No, this was in in Southern Oregon. I was living in the Applegate, Little Applegate Valley, beautiful, pristine place with a lot of uh, organic farmers surrounded by and and the energy was about organic farming, living foods, raw foods, this is really the uh, place where the birth of the raw food movement was happening. So my background in looking into coffee at this time was about raw food. And it made sense to me that if coffee changed during the roasting process, which it does, which you have to do with seeds and nuts, either soak them, roast them, or do something because right. these are d- designed to go through the human body or an animal's body and become a tree. So they have to be altered in some way for your body to be able to get the nutrients out of them. So coffee being a a seed from the coffee fruit, that made a lot of sense to me. It had to be altered. Okay, so you roasted it. So I started looking into what happened when you roasted it and I found that all these different chemical substances were created. And uh, when I tried this coffee that my friends gave me, I couldn't believe the difference. Uh, My knees buckled when I tried it. I mean, it was such an amazing epiphany experience that I had when um, I I tried it and this was roasted within 24 hours. I knew this was what I had been looking for. So I started to look around my house to see different things. How could I roast my own coffee? And I had this outdoor barbecue grill. That wasn't using much because now I was eating raw food and not, <laughs> not uh, um, yeah, making any meats on it. And I got a drum and a cylinder, a small one-pound cylinder, and a chicken rotisserie that turned that cylinder like three revolutions a minute, very slowly, <laughs> That's right? That's great. 
So I put the coffee in there and I started roasting my own. And my first roasts were very uneven because it's just not turning the uh, uh, the drum fast enough. But still, since it was fresh roasted, I find it was still amazing. I couldn't believe it. So I knew that I just had to get better with my process. So I got a bigger drum. I got a bigger motor. Started turning that thing. And boom, all of a sudden, I was in business. And I started to share this coffee with my friends. And they had the same reaction. They could not believe the difference. Right? And this is a time many years ago where no one was putting any road states on packaging. No one was really talking about it. And when I would... My friends, they were saying, this is the layperson, right, the end user. They were saying, amazing, I want some more of it. And I started a delivery service, so I was delivering to them. Whereas coffee professionals, no, coffee must rest, blah, blah, blah. And I just kept thinking that it just seemed wrong to me. So I started going into test mode. And I started testing coffee a day after roasting, three days after roasting, seven days after roasting. And to do these tests, it's not very easy because you need two separate grinders you need a two-group espresso machine. You have to pull the shots at the exact same time. It's really very, very complex. But I Absolutely. started testing. Yeah, I started testing. What I found was the closer to roasting every single time, it gave me more of a spark. I could feel the buzz. I would take a sip of that espresso. Boom, and I would feel it right immediately in my, in my mouth, in my brain. I could feel it, my body reacting to this. And the closer yes. it was to roasting, the more potent is it was well i love i love how you've actually so sorry i love how you've decided to kind of coin this term like the fresh roasted coffee revolution because i actually think there's a real movement and you're inspiring it and um uh, it seems like the the health benefits and how people are feeling after a freshly roasted cup uh, makes all the difference. How did you actually learn about like the whole process from cherry to cup? Because <laughs> it, it seems like certainly you zeroed in on the roasting, but you also were able right. to uh, find out like the entire process, what really went into that. Like, I love your pursuit of the most delicious cup of coffee. <laughs> and right. uh so the uh, so so during the, this time that I was roasting, that was uh, roasting to cup. That was the experience I had. Had an experience with the uh, growing and harvesting processing. Yet that was later when I moved to Bali. But let me just uh, finish uh, that roasting process. So yes, please. So w- what I what I found and what I started to do my research is that hundreds, if not over a thousand, chemicals are created during roasting, and all people were talking about is caffeine. Well, the reason they're talking about caffeine is because all of these other substances start to leave the coffee bean immediately after roasting. And in my estimation, after about seven days, they've completely left. So this is why roasters put coffee just roasted into bags, vacuum bags with one-way valves. Those one-way valves allow the gases that are created during the roasting process to escape without letting oxygen in that would uh, come in and destroy the coffee further after all of those gases already escaped. So what I was thinking was, boy, they should put a little side bag with all these gases escaping and, uh, you know, I'll sniff that side (laughs) bag because these are all the chemicals, not the caffeine, but these are all the chemicals that make coffee much more than a caffeinated beverage. If it was just right. a caffeinated beverage, people would be drinking a Coca-Cola. They'd be drinking a Mountain Dew with high caffeine. 
um, you know, monster energy drink in the morning, but they're not. They're drinking coffee because there's more elements to it. And at that time, people were talking about resting, not putting roast dates on coffee. Professionals were talking about resting coffee per barista competitions two to three months. Two to three months. That's crazy, I thought. I, you know, after three days, I really felt a drop off. I wanted that coffee after one, within one or two days of roasting. That to me was the best. Now, I don't know what these chemical elements are. I want to study that in a lab. That's going to take some time because the big coffee companies don't want to study it because it's not in their coffee. So they're not interested in it. So that, that's why that funding has to come from uh, someone that is uh, doing this process. So at that time, uh, I had been going back and forth to Bali. And every time I'd come to Bali, the coffee was terrible. And I'd, I'd switch to drinking tea because I just couldn't drink it. The reason was because the locals, they all use Robusta. They roast it and grind it right away and have it in these packets because they don't have the equipment to uh, make coffee. They just mix it with hot, hot water. So I knew that they grew coffee up there. And I was, you know, next trip to Bali, I'm going to take some green coffee home, roast it myself and see what it's like. And I did. I took some green coffee. I got it, got it into the U.S. I roasted it myself. And I realized this is as good as any coffee that I was getting. Not better, but as good. Coffee I was getting from Costa Rica, Guatemala, Peru, anywhere. And I decided at that time to move my whole operation to Bali because I wanted to be closer to the growing harvesting process. So now this is going oh. to be the cherry to the cup. So I wanted to add that. And what I found was a lot about what happens uh, with carvey, uh, with uh, coffee when it's uh, harvested. Is it hand-picked or is it machine-picked? makes a big difference. Is it a dry process? Is it a wet process or a semi-wet process? All that makes makes pretty big difference. Huge on, difference, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but still, during that whole process, during that whole journey from the cherry to the cup, I still found that the roasting aspect and and having it immediately after roasting, no one was doing. And to me, that was the biggest difference that I could make in that whole chain. And that's why I have been focusing on that. Well, that's an amazing journey. Would you say that in Bali... Uh, I love your little phrase where you say, keep Bali coffee in Bali. Uh, is that also just to make sure it's very like uh, the freshest coffee ever? I love that phrase right. that you now, have. Yeah. So not only the freshest coffee, but I I recommend that anybody from coffee growing regions use local coffee. Because when coffee passes international borders, it gets fumigated. You need of importers and, dist- and distributors of coffee need a fumigation certificate. Coffee is a live seed in its green form. And so it's getting fumigated when it's passing borders. If it's certified organic, it gets visually inspected first. And if there are bugs in it, it gets fumigated. So then how do you really know what's, what's getting fumigated, what's not getting fumigated? I don't want to take True. that chance. So I, I want to take it locally grown, it doesn't get fumigated, or even if it's not locally grown, but within the own country, not passing international borders, it's not getting fumigated. So that's why I want it as clean as possible when it comes to me before roasting. Got it. Well, you actually have a coffee shop now in in Ubud, is that right, right. in Bali? Yes. And I love the name of it because it's Freak, which stands for right. Fresh Roasted, and I'm not going... Enac, Arabica, 
Enoch, Arabica from Kintamani. And I, I just think that's such a great name. Tell us, please, like a favorite coffee story from your freak coffee house there in Ubud, Bali. Well, uh, just just the name came to me on a bike ride. I, I'm, a, I'm a cyclist. I used to be a marathoner and a triathlete. Uh, so my body's sensitive to coffee, other elements, and uh, I go out for a bike ride, and that, that freak name just came to me because I was trying to think, how do I combine what I'm doing uh, with being in Bali? And uh, the middle word, enak, E-N-A-K, means delicious in Indonesia. Uh, so I'm going through this in my mind, fresh roasted enak, Arabica, because I only use 100% Arabica from... Kintamani. Kintamani starts with a K, and that's where all our coffee comes from. That's where it's grown. So I had, all of a sudden, I had this acronym, FREAK. Oh, I loved it. You know, I said, yeah, I'm a coffee freak, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and people really respond. They love the, uh, uh, they love the name because they can, there's something that they can identify with. It. People who are passionate about coffee think of themselves as freaks a little bit, you know. And uh, so there's something uh, that they really love about that. Uh, coffee. I have three cafes in Ubud, and we do a wholesale business. Our wholesale business is uh, as big as our retail business, where we roast okay. fresh and we deliver to other cafes and other restaurants. Oh, how fantastic. Well, I've seen the reviews on your free coffee, and people say it's the best coffee in Ubud, and uh, they love your coffee, and they also love the atmosphere that you created and that everyone is so friendly. So um, you have a very special place there. It's a, it's um, a very non-pretentious, low-key, you know, very relaxed kind of atmosphere where our focus is on great coffee, and I think people really appreciate that. Definitely. How do you like to drink your coffee, Asher? <laughs> That's funny, actually. So uh, when I'm testing coffee, I, I like to test it espresso shots because that's when I really can can uh, tell the differences. But when I normally like to drink a cup of coffee, the best way I like it in Bali is with coconut milk and palm sugar. <laughs> so people think I'm a purist. I only drink black coffee, which I don't. I like there's something about that little sweetness and that uh, creaminess as with the coconut milk, um, not the cow's milk, uh, that really makes it special. So I have my regular uh, share special there at the Free Cafe, and it's a double shot coconut milk and palm sugar uh, latte, and it's, uh, it's amazing. People taste it, it says, that ah, it tastes like a dessert. It really does. Oh, that's incredible. It's incredible. You must have now made a lot of friends there in Ubud, and it must be fun to bring together uh, the community at your free coffee and Ladies, share a lot of, a lot of coffee yeah. stories. It's interesting because seven years ago, I was one of the only ones. There wasn't any place to get really good coffee. And in the last seven years, it's grown so much that there are a lot of other people that started to to started to offer specialty coffee, but they're still not doing our process, which is roasting every day. So I guarantee in our free cafes that the coffee is roasted within 24 hours because that is really uh, uh, what makes it the best. And there are other roasters, there are other people doing some micro roasting, but they're just not doing it uh, in the same way. And that brings right. me to. To my next stage is to be able to offer cafes a way to roast their coffee on demand. 
So that's really the future, what I see uh, for coffee. If you go into a cafe, you have green coffees to choose from. And the first question you're asked is, how would you like your coffee roasted? Light, medium, medium, dark, dark. No one does that right now. And I think that's another choice that can be added at uh, very easily and very quickly, too, with this, uh, this new phase of my coffee journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I've read a few articles about your coffee and how gentler roasting is something that is really important for a good cup of coffee. The, the description that I loved is roasting when the aromas happen, they, they have these chocolate cake aromas. And uh, that, that just kind of tells the story. And um, so, so when you're, you're probably roasting in the cafe there, are you finding that your customers are almost waiting for that roast to finish so that they can have their cup of coffee? Actually, uh, we roast so much that uh, we roast in one of our uh, production facilities. It's also a cafe in front, but our main busy cafe, we actually don't roast there. But what you can smell when you walk in is the coffee that's freshly ground. And if there are uh, right. any home roasters out there and they home roasted, cool to room temperature, and then ground the coffee, the aromas from the freshly ground, freshly roasted coffee are just unbelievable. I have people come to the oh. cafe. They're not coffee drinkers. They just say, can I just please, I just want to smell the grinder. <laughs> that's know, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, Asher, we can't wait to talk more with you after the break. Please don't go away. We're going to be talking more about Asher's incredible home roaster. Thanks for joining us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. 
Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. So glad you're with us. We've been chatting with Asher Yaron, who um, has just attended the Singapore Coffee Festival, and he presented his home roaster. So, Asher, tell us a little bit more about the vibe at the Singapore Coffee Festival and how that went. Actually, uh, very exciting. I was very impressed. Because normally here in Southeast Asia, you have a lot of people who are using Nescafe instant coffees in the remote islands and stuff. That's all they have access to. Uh, and uh, Singapore's coffee history uh, revolves around mostly Robusta that's roasted very, very dark, combined with sugar and some other ways. It's not about fresh roasting at all. But here at the coffee festival, you had people really on the cutting edge of uh, uh, the whole coffee industry. There was a lot of La Marzocca Slayer espresso machines, which these are, you know, like uh, uh, the uh, uh, the best espresso machines in the world. And you had mostly people uh, talking about origins, where their green coffee is coming from. But we were really the only ones that were there presenting a roaster and a home roaster at that. So. I went around to all of the booths, and there were hundreds of exhibitors there, and I asked them when the coffee was roasted. And if they didn't know, they asked people in the booth who would know, and the average was 10 days to three weeks. So it was somewhere Hmm. in that time. Whereas in the booth that I was running with my partner, I have a partner developing this home roaster. His name is Raymond Lay. And Ray is just a, a, a wizard, a, tech, a, a techie wizard, a great guy, very passionate about coffee. And he's started his own company called Really, Really Fresh Coffee in Singapore. And we've teamed up on developing this home roaster. And we've been testing machines. I mean, for three years, this has gone on. And um, the, the protocol of what, we were, what he was doing at the booth was he was fresh roasting this coffee. And then once it cooled to room temperature, they were putting it in the grinder, and then they were serving their espressos. So this is a very new thing for a lot of people. And we, it was a great test of our home roaster because we were roasting. The, our roaster roasts 100 grams of coffee in five minutes, and we were roasting every 10 to 15 minutes, 10 hours a day, four days straight. <laughs> it was so oh my. Good. Yeah, it was such a good stress test for this machine. You know, I'm sweating because I think, you know, can this machine handle it? And it just worked like a charm. I mean, oh, it was fantastic. Really, yeah, it was really great to see. And in addition, we gave some presentations to the public. Four days in a row, uh, three days in a row, we gave presentations on home roasting and why home roasting is better. The coffee tastes better. The coffee's uh, better for you, health benefits uh, everything. Also, we we talk uh, about it being more sustainable practice. 
because you're roasting and then using right away. And green coffee is very interesting. Most people uh, don't realize this, but green coffee, I believe, gets better with age. It actually improves. There's a couple places, one place in Java that I went to uh, visit. It, the yes. name of the company is Aroma Coffee. It's been there 100 years. Wow. And they aged their green Arabica coffee for eight years before roasting. Oh, is that right? Amazing. And they have they have a warehouse, must have half a million kilos of coffee. And I mean, it's just unbelievable. And coffee's coming in from farms all the time. It's sitting in their warehouse for eight years before they roast. And when they roast, they roast and sell right away, and they're roasting every day. So it's a similar practice of what I'm doing. And I talked to the owner, and he's the second generation. His father started this business, and this his father was a coffee expert from the early 1900s. And we talked about the differences of green coffee when it ages. And the acid levels go down to virtually nothing. So there's no acidity at all in coffee that's aged that much. Also, the caffeine levels come down quite a bit. Hmm. So uh, uh, it's better for people who have uh, higher blood pressure. So there are all these health benefits. And I want to get into experimenting more with that. But what I notice is the flavor is it's very smooth and rich uh, when coffee is aged. Uh, so th- that's that's a whole other aspect that I want to get into later on. First, I'm, I'm focusing on the fresh roasted. So if you have green yes. coffee in your home, it's not going to go bad. You don't have to worry about that. If you have roasted coffee in your home, you want to use it right away. That's pretty much what my whole belief is uh, uh, about using this uh, fresh coffee. So it's, yes. at Singapore, it was really well received and the public, they understand this process because a lot of people are chefs. They're dealing with fresh food all the time. And I compare it. I say, look, it's like taking a fresh fruit off a tree and eating it right away or having canned fruit. That's what I believe the difference is between uh, using coffee right after it's roasted and packaging and buying it in the store off the store shelf. Right. yeah, there's a, there's, I just want to add one more thing. There's a precedent to this. I didn't invent this. This is something that has been done for over a thousand years at the birthplace of coffee called Ethiopia. And they have something called the Ethiopian Coffee Ceremony. And what they do, and people who I know who have been there say it's the most amazing coffee. They think it's cause it's because it's from Ethiopia, but it's not. It's because of their process. You sit down, they roast it. They grind it, they brew it, all in one sitting together. And that's what I'm teaching people to do in their home. And they can do it in a period of 10 minutes, five minutes to roast, one minute to cool, and then grinding and brewing however you make it. So it's really very doable. It sounds like it. When you were developing the roaster, the home roaster, what were some of the challenges that you found? It seemed like you were trying to come up with a chaff catcher and you were trying to come up with a closed loop system. Please tell us a little bit more about that. Well, there's, uh, yeah, there's basically three elements of the home roaster. There's the internal motor part. So you have, you need a heating coil, a heating element, a fan, and a chamber to put the coffee. So this type of roaster is called a fluid bed roaster. Fluid bed meaning 
the air circulates, the hot air, and that's what roasts the coffee bean. It's not okay. like you're cooking coffee in a wok and the beans are touching the hot metal surface and cooking that way. Fluid bed roasting was developed in the 1970s and is largely considered a much higher quality roasting system. But big fluid bed roasters, commercial roasting machines, are extremely expensive and take thousands of watts, of, you know, maybe 15,000 watts of electricity. I mean, huge uh, drainages on electricity. Whereas the smaller machines, the home roasters, are really uh, much more efficient, right? So, so then you have you have that internal motor, and then you have a base, and the base has to cover it. And this is the thing: the base has to look good, right? I mean, everyone right. wants a cool-looking gadget in their kitchen. So we've been working on how do we design a base, and what we've come up with: we have this giant bamboo base. Uh, and then we need a chaff catcher because if you have a chamber and you turn on the machine, the chaff is going to make a huge mess in the kitchen, right? So then I've, I came up with a chaff catcher design with my fabricator. I build commercial roasters in Bali, uh, four kilo and eight kilo bigger commercial roasters for cafes. So I had oh. him come up with a chaff catcher for my small machine. He's the guy I work with, uh, Robert Molyadi. He's a very inventive, brilliant kind of guy. And uh, we have fun uh, developing this. So we developed this chaff catcher, which uh, just works great. And I, we, we hope to launch a Kickstarter campaign of our machine in a month or two and sell it for around 180 to 200 US dollars. That would be the first generation of machine. And then I want to make more generations. I want to make a lower priced one. I want to make one for cafes. I think you should be able to go into a cafe, say how you like it roasted, and boom, in five minutes, they can roast your coffee immediately. And so with a cafe one would be one that's a little bit bigger to be able to right. be more volatile. Yeah, definitely. The You touched lightly on the social impact element. Uh, please tell us sort of how this is maybe... If you're roasting yourself and you've and you've kind of just done the whole process yourself, how does that help from a socially, you know, impactful way? Well, I think some of some of it is what sustainable materials are you making uh, the roaster out of? Oh, right, right. And and, and the other is um, uh, a sustainable practice is having green coffee, like I said, because it's only going to get better with age. Roasting what you need each day or or once every two days and then using it right away and you have zero waste and this is something that I have created a closed loop system in my cafes with zero waste and the way I do that is a process where I add a cold brew because cold brew coffee uh, actually lasts a lot longer when it's refrigerated and I've been able to create a whole system for people where there's absolutely zero waste and that is one of my uh, one of my goals is I'm very uh, connected to, uh, actually, my first cafe was at Green School in Bali. And this is a very famous school that teaches sustainability practices. And we have a very busy cafe there. And I introduced uh, this whole uh, uh, closed-loop sustainable system, and they just love it. And I, I can teach that. It's easily doable. I figured a way to do it. I can teach that to anybody. And actually, that's that's where I differ from the commercial coffee industry because the commercial coffee industry has been wedded to certain practices that yes. make packaging and shelf life 
the key component of their success. And so right. what I have done is kind of turned that around completely, saying it doesn't need to be that way. This can be done in a sustainable way that has zero waste. And I've proven it in the last seven years that I've had my cafes in Bali. But the big coffee companies, they're slow to change. And they have so much they have so much invested in their systems already that they cannot possibly uh, do that very quickly. That's why it takes the smaller guys, you know, like me to come and say, hey, this can be done better and then invent ways in order to do that. Well, it sounds like you've definitely come a long way from your barbecue <laughs> roaster. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and and we can't talk. We can't wait to talk um, in our next segment about uh, a little bit more about your new book, Get Your Fix. And uh, we'll also like to talk a little bit about your TED Talks and things like most people, what they didn't know about coffee. This has been a really fun chat. Please stay tuned. Come back. We look forward to seeing you in our next segment. Thanks, Asher. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi there. Thanks for joining us. We are having a fun time sharing favorite coffee stories. And today we have our special guest, Asher Yarond, speaking with us, who um, has a lot of experience with coffee. And he just released his uh, Get Your Fix book. And we look forward to chatting more about that with him. So, Asher, when you started writing your book, how did you go about researching it? Actually, the research uh, was done from a TED Talk that I did. And uh, probably better to, uh, to go back and uh, start there first. Because Perfect. I was approached to do a TED Talk uh, about six years ago. And it was this group in Bali, in Ubud, Bali. Um, this brilliant woman, her name is Daniela Burr, who put 
this TEDx presentation together, and they've been running it for the past several years. And a friend of mine told her about me and my passion for coffee and that she should come visit the cafe. Well, as soon as she visited the cafe, she she wanted to know about coffee. Well, I let her have it, <laughs> and she was convinced that I should do a, a TEDx talk. Okay, I have 15 minutes to talk about coffee. Oh, my goodness. What was I going to do? Well, I spent the next three months, four to five hours a day on this TEDx talk because I knew that this was going to be something that uh, was was really going to be beneficial for me. And what actually happened, I, did, I, I created 17 different talks because I started to do some research and found all of this information and how did I want to present it and it really took a while to sort through. And so all this research really was done during that time and at the end I took pieces of uh, each one, put it all together and I thought that I had a really great talk which uh, it's really been very successful, it has over well over one million views and uh, I get contacted by people all the time for that talk. So at, then after a while uh, I was introduced to somebody else and uh, someone who has a company called Publishizer and his name is Guy and this guy is also a brilliant young man. He said, hey, you have a book in you and I never thought about that before and he said, you have enough information. Why don't you put a book together? So I started thinking about it and I said, you know, I could probably uh, start writing it with all the information that I had to do all the research for my TEDx talk. So I started to put a book together, and it's called Get Your Fix. And what I wanted to do was include the history of coffee. Because uh, I'm convinced today, if, if people were drinking coffee the way I'm making it today, I think it would be an illegal drug. <laughs> but it's had, it's had so many years of uh, acceptability. And at one time, actually, it was outlawed um, as being illegal. Uh, by a mullah uh, in uh, an, uh, an Arabic country, but uh, that was uh, eventually overturned, so that didn't last very long. Uh, but uh, what I do is I start with the birthplace of coffee, Ethiopian, like I mentioned before, this Ethiopian coffee ceremony, which really had a big impact on me, and it made me think that what I was doing wasn't something that was new, but was tied to ancient wisdom uh, of um, the native peoples who were used to working with this substance. And all I'm doing is taking that knowledge of the indigenous culture and then applying today's machinery, today's technology in order to then make, I think, the best coffee possible uh, or imaginable. So the actual research of the book, you know, I've been doing over these last uh, many years. I'm passionate about coffee. I love it. I'm interested in it. And um, the adding here in, in, in Bali, adding the, the cherry part, the, the harvesting, processing kind of part, right. is really to my knowledge of coffee. So I really have an idea from the cherry to the cup. And I think that overall knowledge is really uh, not very known in the coffee industry because you have certain people who are dedicated to certain things. You have baristas, and they know how to be a barista. They know how to get the best espresso shot from this coffee that they're using. Then you have roasters, and roasters know how to roast it 
perfectly, you know, they're really dedicated to the roasting process. And then you have farmers and growers, and they really don't know anything about the other two. So uh, you have a lot of people who are experts in their certain field, but without this overall knowledge of what happens from the cherry to the cup, you really don't know what stage in the process that you can improve it, right? Right. So, so that's the, the, the knowledge, and that's what I include in my book, and that's what I, I try to teach people. And by the way, my book, it's, being, it's uh, self-published, so it's not quite available yet, but uh, hopefully very soon in both uh, an ebook form and a uh, printed copy. Yes, I really appreciated you sharing your book with me, and I thoroughly enjoyed reading it, and I did I really enjoyed the historical aspects uh, to the point where I've always thought it would be fun to venture to Ethiopia and learn a little bit more about the coffee there. Um, but I, I thought you wove the history and the health benefits just beautifully through your book, and also then, of course, the importance of freshly roasting. And, and uh, in the early cafes, you know, uh, it, it was really largely considered that co- coffee helped bring on the age of enlightenment. Because before coffee, people were drinking coffee, they were drinking alcohol. And the reason they were drinking alcohol is because the water supply wasn't very clean. So they needed to, to drink liquids in a way that was kind of purified right and alcohol is such a such a a downer and a depressant that uh when coffee came on the scene all of a sudden wow it was it was an enlightenment kind of thing because it was a substance that was energizing and these cafes where the artists the intellectuals were gathering this is during the 16 17 1800s really became centers of new thought, new ideas, new development, and that's why it's considered bringing on the age of enlightenment, because people were gathering at these coffee shops, sharing this drink that not only energized, but also inspired and stimulated areas of the brain that had to do with happiness, creativity, inspiration, and I believe that those those chemicals involved in fresh roasted coffee stimulate those areas of the brain. And I think in the 15, 16, 17, 1800s, how were they drinking their coffee? They weren't vacuum sealing and taking off the store shelf, of course, right? <laughs> they were roasting fresh in those cafes, and they were drinking the most potent form of this coffee. So, so I think that's important to include that, tying the ancient history and wisdom of how to prepare the coffee and tying that to today's technology and how to do that in a way that people can get it quickly in the morning before they have to go to work. Right. When when you have your cup of coffee with um, either cashew milk or coconut milk, do you find that when you play your trumpet, <laughs> uh, I know you're a musician, how does that influence your music? I it, it Quite a bit. I mean, because... Uh, I think, like I said, it stimulates those areas of the brain, My uh, engages my right brain into more feeling sensory mode, and it feels like uh, I can connect a lot better with the sound that I'm making through my horn. Uh, and, and that's what I encourage all artists to do, is to drink this kind of coffee before you do your artwork, because I really feel it can inspire you to do that. I think athletes should be drinking this kind of coffee. You know they're drinking coffee. Most athletes are drinking coffee. But 
they're not drinking it this way. I think if they were drinking freshly roasted coffee this way, I think their performances would improve. And eventually, I'd love to be in the locker rooms of professional sports team roasting up some coffee, <laughs> you know, and brewing <laughs> and giving it to these athletes right before they had to go and perform because I truly believe it can make a difference. Yeah. So you're, what would you say, Asher, are your, like your next steps? It sounds like you'll still be busy with your roaster, your home roaster and your cafes definitely keep you busy uh what i also know you do a variety of youtubes and things about coffee coffee truth and your coffee university and uh, we just really appreciate you sharing all your good coffee stories what's what's next on the horizon i'll share uh yeah so uh i have developed an online youtube channel called coffee university and what i wanted to do is kind of debunk some of the myths that I think are in the coffee industry. And just get people to try it my way. Okay, you don't have to believe my way right off the bat, but you know, just try it. Here's another perspective way of looking at things. And so recently I've, I've come up with a coffee truther series. And I'm kind of taking aspects of coffee, saying, come on, you know, uh, let's, let's, let's examine this and see if this, tr- if this is true or not. And so I want to uh, continue doing that because uh, this is about education. What I do it's 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 more about education than any anything else because people have been marketed to and taught certain things that I, I believe are not really not true and not true for my experience and I want to share that is it is it true for your experience and a lot of people have said you know that that uh, they totally understand what I'm talking about so I want to continue to do that teaching and that dissemination of uh, information, that wisdom that I have gained. Uh, in addition, continue this process of courage, encouraging cafes and people to roast, grind, and brew, RGB, just in that order, like they do in, in, the, in the Ethiopian coffee ceremony. The other thing that's important to me to do is to explore this aged coffee idea, green coffee and aging it. Oh, right. I, believe, I believe it might be possible to offer a decaffeinated coffee that's aged at the correct time to be decaffeinated. So it hasn't had to go through this extra process of soaking in hot water, which I think is damaging to the coffee bean. I think it might be possible just to age it and have it right ages, and then people can enjoy a much less caffeinated, decaffeinated coffee in the evening after dinner. So that's something that I want to explore and develop and study this in a lab. I want to know exactly right. what chemi- chemicals are in this coffee. That's I've been told by scientists that that is a lifelong pursuit. And I'll never get to it, but hey, at least I'll start it. And then maybe in the next life, come back and finish it up. <laughs> but uh, yes. I, I, I want to start looking at what are these chemicals. It's not just caffeine. There are other chemicals in there. What exactly are there? How are they affecting the brain? And I think we might be very surprised that uh, these are very potent chemicals and affect the brain and maybe even certain drug and classifications that are illegal but I'm using a legal <laughs> drug and, and it's classified as legal and I don't think that that's going to change so it's kind of a way around the whole system <laughs> right exactly so um, when you're going back now you're en route from the Philippines back to Ubud Bali um, who's been manning the fort for you with the cafes while you've been away Oh, we have very good trained staff uh, 
who I've shown my system, developed my system, and uh, um, at this point, they really don't need my assistance or help, and I really haven't been uh, uh, supervising actually for the last few years, which has been great because it's given me the opportunity to work on these other projects. So that's absolutely, and it just shows that the system is teachable. It's not. It's not rocket science. It's really very easy to create this whole closed loop system. You just have to see it in a certain way and know all the elements from the cherry to the cup to put it together. And that's kind of what I've done. And that's what I want to teach people to do. Because my goal in the end is, you know, not to not to be a Starbucks or not to be the biggest uh, in the coffee industry. But I want to help people live a better life. And I really, truly believe that that means having a great, excellent cup of coffee right when you wake up in the morning because that frames your whole, uh, your whole thought process, your whole consciousness for the day can start off in a certain way if you're doing this process. I've been there. I've yeah. had bad coffee in the morning, and that just goes me on a path of <laughs> negative thinking and you know problems and all that kind of thing, whereas... When I do it fresh roasted each morning, I have a great inspired view of my day coming up, and I've totally seen how that changes my life and it changes the life of those around me. Definitely, definitely. We are so grateful to you, Asher, for sharing your favorite coffee stories about your coffee roaster. We've learned so much from you and we really appreciate you joining us this week. And uh, thank you to our listeners. We are very happy you've joined us this week and we look forward to sharing more favorite coffee stories next week on on Tuesday, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Variety Channel, My Favorite Coffee Stories. So thanks again, and that's been fun to share favorite coffee stories. Have a great relaxing week. All the best. Aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.